Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Okay, buddy, there you have it. 41 years ago, the Back in Black album, ACDC, What Do You Do for Money? And I think, you know what? Where we are today, we've got reconciliation. Maybe we don't. We've got the debt ceiling. Maybe we don't. The question is, we all are asking our government is what do we do for the money? And uh, I think it's helpful at times to you know, go back to old pros on the subject like ACDC and see how they would handle that question. Well, Brad, I think that's, I think that's exactly right. I think, uh, look, what do you do for money? Do you buy a, uh, a Hunter Biden painting? Do you buy a non-fungible token, maybe an Android or maybe a bot uh, I don't know. Do you invest in a uh, Russian server farm? I mean, listen, all of this is on the table this week. I'm really excited. This is David Pridham and Brad Sheaf. We are here for another week of IP Frequently. Brad, we are now the number one business program on the radio. Any radio of any frequency? I, I think that's correct. Shortwave, and, and, any radio, any radio, one-on-one, walkie-talkies. No one's doing what we're doing. Well, that's true. And then, of course, begs the question of why. Is it because mm-hmm. we just cannot be imitated or is it because, you know, no one cares? Uh, but regardless, it remains a true statement. Nah, listen, listen, often duplicated, never imitated. We are the sultans of sanity here. We're sirens leading people into the harbor of safe business practices. I've heard that somewhere before, my friend, but it rings uh, true and never have we been more needed by the uh, the public out there who's looking for good sound business advice and a little bit of a uh, little bit of fun on their weekend? Indeed, we're like the foghorn of business. Yeah, not the foghorn leghorn. That's something. No, that's a that's a, a that's a that's a rooster, a humorous rooster. I'll grant you, but a very different thing. And you know what's interesting though? You bring up roosters, right? And as you know. You know, there are all sorts of issues with roosters across the uh, across the country attacking people. I assume you've heard about that. Have you heard about that? Have you heard about the I, I have not heard about that. No, there are there are terrifying. roosters in uh, New York City apparently attacking people. Right there, there is like some bloodthirsty rooster on the loose attacking people in a, in a little pocket of Queens, New York. It's not exactly foghorn leghorn, um, but it's something I think quite. Uh, 
quite close. And I think it's a, uh, I think it's a, it, it's a problem. We're not going to be able to get to it much this week, but uh, the rooster is apparently on the lamb. Uh, this rooster has been called an evil bloodthirsty rooster. It's terrorizing Queens. Actually, Leon Susserin uh, told the New York Post last week that he was on his way to work uh, right off, uh, Brad, you know, 169th Street in uh, oh, Jamaica, course. Queens. Uh, he was catching a bus for work in the morning when he, quote, felt a peck on the back of my left hand. When I oh. turned around, I saw blood was gushing out and the rooster kept charging me. It was almost as if it was evil. So evil. That's a quote. And they haven't caught it yet. They haven't caught it. Well, a rooval, a root, a rooval. I'm not really sure what that is, but a rooster that evil is not going to be easy Reval. to catch. I mean, that's a rooster with a plan. They call they call an evil rooster a rooval. A lot of people don't know that, but a rooval always has a plan. Well, this rooster uh, apparently kept on attacking this gentleman. He had to keep kicking it off, and then it finally just went away until the. Uh, Blood stopped. He stayed till the blood stopped gushing, and then he left. He was he lost interest. So that's uh, you know, that that's sort of our public service announcement for the week. If you're in Jamaica Queens, be on the lookout for this rooval or rooster, or whatever it is, because it is attacking people. And I didn't even know we would get to that, but for a little loose uh, foghorn leghorn reference. So uh, once again, here on IP Frequently, we are looking out for you. For those of you on your way to work in Queens. Be on the lookout and either want to wear gloves or keep your hands in your pockets or both. Well, carry um, some corn in your pocket. I mean, if you carry some kerneled corn, dried preferably, because it'll be easier to get it in and out of your pocket. Plus, it's what chickens prefer. Just scatter that on the ground when you're attacked by the rooval and he will be distracted. You'll be able to make your escape. Simple as that. No, I think that I think that I think that makes perfect sense. You just want to be able to get the corn out of the pocket before the ruble gets to you. Because once the ruble gets to you, all bets are off, my friend. All bets are off. That's correct. And you don't want to peck in through your corduroys. That's the last thing you want to do. But here on IP Frequently, we are on the lookout for you. Uh, the little man IP Frequently brought to you, Brad, once again, by our good friends at IPedia. IPedia, the automation of innovation. Um, it is uh, being uh, uh, right now um, a little bit belligerent. It's being a little bit, uh, um, a little bit ornery. Uh, we're having trouble getting some of the printouts for the show off of its uh, many servers, uh, most of which, Brethren, as you know, the Ukraine and uh, the satellites seem to be whirling a little bit close to Earth. When you have as much on your plate as IPedia does, when you have as many balls in the air or, frankly, satellites in space, as IPedia does. Occasionally, you get a few kinks in your rope. You need a little bit of time to yourself. And so I have suggested to the guys, they just, you know, make IPedia a nice cup of English breakfast tea, put perhaps a scone out for it, and then, you know, give it a little time to itself. And my guess is that it'll come back stronger than ever. Brad, this week, as always, we start with the latest news uh, of the day. It's what you and I know as newsreel, where we come into the theater, sit down with a bucket of popcorn, maybe maybe some junior mints, maybe a Coke, a Dr. Pepper, I don't know. And we sit back and we uh, take a look at what is on the big board, uh, what is most impacting business across the country. And we keep coming back to the current U.S. administration. It seems to have its fingers in a bunch of different pies in the bakery, so to speak, uh, the first, Brad, I, I actually talked to a business owner this morning about the um, latest and greatest uh, uh, 
Biden accomplishment, and that has to do with energy. We see gas prices are up about uh, almost 100%. The coal market is up 90%. Uh, China, Japan, a lot of the Far East are rationing energy, which is having the uh, effect of shutting down uh, plants that already can't keep up with the supply um, and demand curve uh, that we see as we emerge from the uh, COVID uh, shutdowns. And we have an administration that has taken on uh, energy harvesting. They've taken on the national, the uh, natural gas companies. They've taken on the coal producing companies and basically shut them down, certainly with respect to new plants. And it looks like this is going to become a global issue. Well, again, I, th- this is what happens when you bow before the altar of any ism. You cannot kowtow to an ism. You cannot make it the only focus of your policy. Right? I do not begrudge the Biden administration having a left-leaning policy. They were duly elected by the people of this country. But what you cannot do is let liberalism guide you into a box canyon you cannot then get back out of. Right? I mean, you, you, you simply cannot do that. You have to look at the needs of the outfit which you're running, whether you're a small business owner, a large business owner, or the president of the United States, you have to look at the needs of the outfit you're running, of the people that are working for or under the auspices of that outfit, and you have to put those first. And you can always do that, leaning one direction or the other, but if you simply make the ism your goal, this is where you wind up. And it is going to be very difficult to get back out of this. I mean, this is not a mess that you can just pick up the phone and say, hey, you know what? Forget about it. Uh, I want to go back to what we were doing before. This is a bed that has been well and truly made. And now we're going to have to lie in it for a good long while. Yeah, it's quite a mess. And when you look at what in particular, what it's doing to small business owners uh, who rely on products coming in from overseas. I mean, if you take a look at China, Chinese manufacturing plants are going offline because the Chinese government is now rationing power because there's not enough coal to power the plants. So they're going offline for eight to 12 hours a day. And those are the plants that need to be producing 36 hours a day to catch back up to the demand that's uh, happened after uh, the whole COVID nightmare. And in this country, and you know, China's importing coal from anywhere they can, regardless of the quality. But in this country, we basically shut down the mines in West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Um, we've, we've started regulating the hell out of them again. We've shut down the natural gas producing companies. We've uh, shut down the fracking. We've shut down the pipelines in favor of these crazy pie in the sky dreams of an instant transition to uh, solar and to wind and more renewable energies, which look, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can have cleaner and more efficient ways to produce energy, that's great. I think we're all on board for it. Um, but it's almost like, uh, you know, trying to produce a time machine in, uh, you know, the 1920s. I mean, obviously you can produce them now, but uh, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen right away. And so we have to look to transition to some of these alternate energy sources. But at the same time, people need to uh, work in plants that have power. Uh, people need to have their homes heated in the wintertime. And you know, the president better hope that it's a mild winter because what we are seeing on all these indications is that you know, there are going to be power plants in this country in places like California 
uh, New York that are going to be going offline in the middle of winter. And when that happens, uh, people are not going to have heat. And when that happens, people are going to be pretty ticked off. Yep. And so, uh, and, and there's no plan for any of this. The only plan is to shut down all the coal producing companies, the natural gas producing companies, and, um, you know, go put a, a goddamn solar panel on your house. Oh, and buddy, you used the key word, right? You said transition. And again, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a clean energy scientist in order to understand that wanting something to happen is not the same thing as transitioning to it. And you made the key point. You can't just shut down those plants that are creating the energy you are using today with no other plant online to pick up that production just because you're kowtowing to some ism, right? Which is exactly what Biden did when he came into office, shut down the pipeline, shut down the fracking, had no plan for what was going to back those things up. And I don't blame Biden himself for that because I have, I think he has no idea what he's doing. And frankly, I think he has no idea where he is most of the time. That's what he was told to do. That's what he did. He was sold a bill of goods on what was going to pick up the slack in the production. Obviously, it's not going to happen. And now we are where we are. And, and, and again, there is no undoing that. You can't just go back and start building those pipelines again or open up those oil fields. And, and to your point, there, I've never heard anyone say, I'm a huge fan of dirty energy. We should produce as many pollutants and greenhouse gases as we possibly can. No one says that, right? I understand that there are fans of the gas and oil industry, particularly those that are heavily invested in it. But even those folks are not trying to take the position that clean energy has no place, right? What they are advocating for is a transition. And you know, smart money is smart money. It will get itself out of oil and gas and coal and into clean energy when that makes sense. Because you know, there's a lot of folks who, frankly, could care less about people, care more about money. But the beauty of following that money is that you'll know when green energy is actually able to carry the load when you see that money moving out of the older versions of energy and into the newer. And certainly a well-managed, well-thought-out government policy can help move in that direction more quickly. But this ain't it. And even if the Chinese factories were open, I read something this week. This is just your boy, Buttigieg the bicycler. There are ships literally backed up for miles on both coasts of this country because we can't get them into a port and get them unloaded. So even if the Chinese were in fact cranking it out 36 hours a day to catch back up to where they need to be and loading that up on any floating thing they could find and pushing it into the ocean in the general direction of the good old US of A, when it got here, we couldn't handle it. The government is just a crap show from top to bottom. But, you know, I mean, you do have to tip your cap to, to Buddha because he, you know, he rides his bike the last 50 yards to work. He saves the taxpayers a ton of money by doing that, Brad, because he gets out of the SUV and then the men in the SUV take the, 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 the bike out, push him down the road, and then they get back in the SUV and follow him to the, they're there waiting for his lunch hour. Um, but he does save, I, I think there's no doubt about the fact that he's not in a car when he's out of the car on the bike. The other thing I would say is, you know, they tell you to put a solar panel on your house. Good luck getting one with this supply chain because a lot of the constituent parts are made in some of these coal burning um, uh, energy powered plants in uh, 
China and Japan, which are offline 50% of the time right now. Yeah, I also heard an interesting story that there is going to be a food supply chain emergency because a lot of the fertilizers that are uh, produced by some of these um, plants require uh, natural gas to, to make the ammonia that goes into the fertilizers. And that is at an all-time high in terms of price. And it's also uh, very, very um, difficult to procure because our, at least our government has taken on the natural gas industry. Of course, in Europe, uh, they are buying Russian natural gas now instead of American because we stopped selling it to them. Um, but it just seems like our, our public policy is all over the place in, in a bad way in this country, which is not really a surprise given everything else we've got out of this administration. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, 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 you know, I mean, it has not gone well. And again, this is what happens when you don't vote for someone, you vote against someone else, right? Yeah. This, is, this is like the classic saying, you know, that, that my old man used to tell me, and I'm sure his old man told him, never run from something, always run to something, right? The idea being if you're switching jobs or whatever it is you're doing, you don't want to just bail out into nowhere and hope for the best. You want to have a plan and be moving towards it to get you out of whatever situation you're currently in that, that, that you don't like. And look, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. Everybody understands why people don't like Donald Trump. And, and unfortunately, he continues to be the same Donald Trump that people don't like. And but what happened in the election was people voted against him. And since we have a two party system and right at the top of your ticket are just two names, you know, although albeit, you know, there's plenty of other names that are, you know, people you've never heard of. But the folks that, you know, you're aware of at the top of your ticket were Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And I, I in this case, in this election, what a great many people did was say, well, I can't vote for this guy, Trump. I just don't like him. I don't like his character. I don't like his approach. I don't like his arrogance. Yep, got all that. And then what they did was they said, well, that, you know, that leaves me in a position to have to vote for this guy, Joe Biden, right? And unfortunately, we got what we voted for, and, but it was th that same principle, right, where you leapt off a cliff hoping that there would be a soft landing. And as it turns out, it's, you know, not only is the landing not soft, it's kind of rocky and pointy. And there's some holly bushes down there that you've landed on. And, you know, now we got what we got. Yep. I, look, I think that's exactly right. But uh, Brad, the good news is, the good news is you can always go to New York City and you can go to the progressives in New York like AOC, when you see something going a little bit off the rails, like our energy policy in this country, um, you can look at uh, the fact that AOC has now petitioned and won the largest initiative of her time in public office. With the New York Public Library, Brad, the right for all late fees to be forgiven, and there will be no late fees on books assessed going forward. Well, good for her, buddy. I mean, that makes perfect sense. We've got energy prices going through the roof. We still have Americans in Kabul. But somebody has got to look into the scourge of library late fees, right? I mean, we can't just let that go unaddressed. I know where you live, where I live, there's constant marching in the streets, people picketing, 
no more late fees. We won't pay these late fees. Late fees are unjust. Late fees are inequitable. You see it everywhere in this country. And so again, you got to tip your cap to AOC, who's got her eye on the ball. Now, of course, we're going to deal with the fact that no one will ever return a book to the library ever again. And so libraries are now just a temporary, you know, sort of fixture that are currently, you know, filled with books, but over time will get less and less so until our grandchildren just see the library as, you know, the equivalent of some abandoned big box store. But you know what? That's not AOC's fault. She's taking care of the things that matter most to her constituents. Exactly. And it's like a big bookstore only without having to pay for anything now. But next, Brad, we go to our key segment. A lot of people are talking about this. They're excited about this. They're jacked. They're pumped. Uh, Razor's Edge, where you and I get on the edge of an important issue and we sort of talk about it, right? But in the context of business, right? So a lot of the things we talk about, we try to get to how governmental policy will impact business. We talked about how the energy crisis and the looming energy crisis and supply chain crisis will impact small and mid-sized businesses. And, And now we get to yet another crowning achievement of this administration. The, uh, the, the budget and the, the debt. Obviously, over the past week or so, the administration has failed to pass its uh, infrastructure bill, which was a core component of uh, the Biden candidacy. It has also failed to pass its $3.5 trillion reconciliation budget. It has also failed to pass any debt ceiling relief, which if you listen to the Secretary of the Treasury, Yellen, Uh, That could lead to catastrophic problems for the government in terms of borrowing in the future. And that uh, we're we're scheduled to hit that ceiling any minute now. So if you hear a thud, that's probably what you're hearing. Um, And it seems like, Brad, this is just another one of the uh, mission completed items from the uh, Biden uh, administration. Well, buddy, I mean, it seems you know, almost unfair to continue to harp on the Biden administration and the issues which it has created for itself, because there are just so many of them. Uh, but that is what it is, right? That is uh, that is the razor's edge, as we like to walk it here on IP frequently. And and it's it's the same issue as with the energy. Life doesn't work that way. You have to negotiate. You have to be realistic. You have to have a long-term plan, but then short-term intervals that are going to get you to that plan. The same thing is true for a small business, as we talk about all the time. And the Biden administration has just crazily appeared to have forgotten that, right? In their rush to be perceived as progressive, in their rush to virtue signaling, they have rolled out these just completely unrealistic bills and then expected people to just pass them and then you know, you wake up the next morning and the sun comes out and there's, you know, no more pollution and no more debt ceiling and no more unemployment and you know, no more ele- elevated gas prices. None of that is going to happen. I mean, they, they have to operate within the confines of reality. And, you know, if you want to make a short pointed criticism of much of the progressive agenda, it's that it does not operate within the confines of reality. We saw that with the Green New Deal. The moment that rolled out, people, and not not just rabid conservatives, but folks from all across the political spectrum just sort of started chuckling and saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, this is not 
going to work. You're making all of this up. But the folks who were behind those, you know, very progressive policies didn't want to hear it. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think what's what's really crazy, and you had this in the last administration too, is everything is straight party line now. Everything. Since when do we have to aspire to get 50 votes and then break it with the vice president, right? And I know the last administration did that too, but the whole concept of bipartisanship is gone. Everything is about brinksmanship and this whole thing with the debt ceiling, the whole thing with the budget, with the infrastructure bill. I mean, the infrastructure bill wasn't perfect, but at least it was something that you were going to get 60 votes for in the Senate. And so you pass it. But what do they do? They tether it to this $3.5 trillion monstrosity that has everything in it from critical race theory support to environmental protection to amnesty for you know a million aliens who are in this country. The questions abound, right? Why are there no adults in the room? Why does everything, everything have to be taken to the brink? Every Supreme Court confirmation hearing, everything, it's all about destroying people and you know, can you get 51 damn votes? You know, why are we spending so much? Why do you need 3.5 trillion when we just spent trillions on COVID relief? Um, it's just, uh, it, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And then on top of it, on top of it, you got this lunatic who's our treasury secretary, Yellen, who's talking about printing a trillion dollar platinum coin and depositing it at the Federal Reserve and using that as collateral to escape the debt ceiling. I mean, this we have truly entered, truly, the land of the um, insane. Well, but I mean, again, this is what we've been talking about this whole episode is the fact that realism, and, and this is this is where you get when you when you grow up in a relativistic society, right? Where you can recall when you and I were kids, we started wandering into this area where there was no truth, right? There was no this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. It was all kind of you make up your own, right? And what you want to do in your house is fine as long as it doesn't bother me. And we kind of bought into that. And and as that relativistic philosophy has continued to permeate our culture, this is where we wind up, where if you grow up in a world where there is no bright line for anything, right? You get to make up your own truth, We even heard the vice president say that when she was visiting George Mason University. Hey, I applaud you for rolling out your truth. That's an oxymoron, right? You cannot have one person cannot have their truth while another person has a conflicting truth. One of those two things is not true if you look up the definition of that word, right? And yet that's where we are to the point where the Treasury Secretary thinks it's fine to create her own realism where minting one trillion dollar coin suddenly solves all of our problems. It's ridiculous and it's ludicrous. And again, to your point, it's all because no one wants to be in the middle of the field, right? It's why we started this program is because we want to try to bring the conversation back to the middle of the field instead of standing in each end zone, screaming at each other. And the last administration did that and they were open and notorious about it, right? I mean, Trump was, you know, that's what he wanted. But this administration came in saying, hey, we can't do that, right? That doesn't work. And we can all agree with that. That doesn't work. So we are going to come in. We're going to be kinder. We're going to be gentler. We're going to be bipartisan. We're going to work with those across the aisle. We're going to have discourse. 
We're going to figure out the best way to get to the solution. We're going to negotiate all of those things. And of course, if anything, it's worse, right? It's worse. We're, we're more polarized. We're more pushed into the end zones. Nothing anymore is about the right answer or the best answer. It's all about my answer for me. And that leads you to a treasury secretary. But we have had some very intelligent, very capable treasury secretaries in this country in the past. And now we've got Yellen who says, hey, nobody worry about the actual debt this country is in or where all of this money is going to come from. I'm going to have the mint strike a trillion dollar coin that I'm just going to place at the Federal Reserve and all of our problems are over. If that doesn't startle you, if that doesn't make you ask, hey, wait a minute, where does fantasy end and reality begin, then I think nothing will. Well, here's here's the good news. Here's the good news, Brad. They've already thought about this. Um, there is no shortage of the platinum blank uh, eagles at the uh, U.S. Mint. So, and, and I'm reading from the, this document they produced, producing a trillion dollar eagle would uh, require the only change, the denomination on the Cohen, as my father would say, um, it could be quickly executed, and I quote, on the existing plaster mold of the Platinum Eagle, or you could, Brad, just get a selfie and cross out the denomination and put in the trillion. It'd have to be a fine point, of course. Uh, then there'd be an automated process which would transfer the new design to a plastic resin mold. At that point, a coin could be struck in minutes at the West Point Mint. Okay, and then it can be physically deposited at the New York Fed, which is only a short helicopter ride away. So, Brad, they have thought about this, and that gives them the equivalent of a trillion dollar increase in the debt limit right there, right there. That I see, I mean, again, buddy, this is <laughs> all of those. I just I, you have to laugh. All of those things, I'm sure, are true. I'm sure you can change the blaster, get to the get to the plastic resin, get to the coin, put it Seems on. Seems like they're focused on the reserve. wrong things. Hey, like I, exactly. All of those things I'm things. sure are true, but it doesn't change reality, right? I mean, it's just amazing that I, there should literally be a tax refund, although it'll be minuscule. I would still like for the process to go through. There should be a tax refund to every American for the 15 minutes that Yellen thought about this because she just wasted all of our time and money. You cannot change the fact that we have been passing spending bills like it just doesn't matter. And frankly, if we're going to take this step, we're going to start talking about striking trillion dollar coins and then calling it good. Why don't we just say F it, not even have a budget and just have the government do whatever the hell it wants to do. Right. I mean, ad that's, hoc. that's I like yeah, ad hoc. Ad hoc. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And but just I guess, say, eh, you know, don't worry about sure. any actual expenditure because it's all fake money anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess this is what happens. Like you go through everything we've seen. Right. You know, you've got the 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 like literally the, the press secretary was telling us that the millions of people that have come across the border illegally. It's a seasonal thing, quote unquote, seasonal thing. The Afghan withdrawal was a success. And they're now saying that the three point five trillion dollar budget is net zero um, cost to the taxpayers because it increases revenue. I mean, it's all it's all crazy. And then you top it off with this magic coin. And what, what I thought I would do for this is say, okay, well, how is this impacting the president's 
poll numbers, right? Because he, he, there are polls out there that gauge the performance of the president. You know that? Yes, I do know that. So I've pulled up the latest Quinnipiac poll. And if you know anything about the Quinnipiac poll, it's the one that said Biden would win by like 30 points last time. Very, very skewed in favor of Democratic voters. And so you'd think he's doing pretty, pretty well. Um, and so they went through a number of issues and they polled. And again, there's a Democratic poll. Um, and you just go down the list, right? Coronavirus performance, 48% approve, 50% disapprove. So not bad, right? A net two, um, a minus two performance, but, you know, economy, 39% approve, 55% disapprove. Uh, job as commander in chief of the U.S. military, 37% approve. 58% disapprove. Taxes, 37% approve, 54% disapprove. Foreign policy, 34% approve, 58% disapprove. Immigration, 25% approve, 67% disapprove. And the Mexican border, 23% approve, 67% disapprove. I mean, it is just, these numbers for a Democratic president are absolutely, they, they should be sending off sirens in terms of what's going to happen in the midterm election and Biden's chances uh, for re-election, which obviously it's kind of a joke at that point. But these are absolutely horrific numbers for a sitting president. And this isn't just the Trump people, right? When you see 55, 60%, 70% disapprove, that means people that voted for Biden are disapproving on these core issues, which are issues people vote on. And the administration, rather than recognizing that and maybe moving a little to the center, it, they're ignoring it and their numbers are getting worse. Well, I bet. I mean, I, again, I mean, as you point out, the, this is a poll that should be skewed in favor of the president and probably is, which tells you just how bad those numbers are. But when you have decided to live in a fantasy world, then you can ignore this as well, right? When you have decided to solve fiscal problems by minting a trillion dollar coin, that's your solution, then it certainly makes at least as much sense as that to just pretend these polls just poof, don't exist. How about this one? Is the Biden administration competent in running the government? No, 55 to 42. I mean, yeah. just, a, just a slap in the face. But let me ask you this, more importantly than any of this, if you got your hands on that trillion dollar coin, what would you do? Well, you got problems there, my friend, because it's going to be tough for people to make change. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're a counterfeiter, what you typically do is you counterfeit the $20 bill. It's the most commonly used bill in American currency. And you don't go buy $20 worth of something, right? That's not what you do. You go into the dime store, you grab a pack of gum, you go to the cashier, you hand them the counterfeit 20 he hands you back, you know, 18 bucks worth of real money. That's what you're trying to do. And so theoretically, you'd want to go buy that same pack of gum, knock two bucks off a trillion and get all of the rest of it back in real US currency. But I don't think you're going to be able to do that. Because again, that bill that that coin was struck, you know, in a fantasy world, right? That that coin was struck in Narnia. Yeah. So maybe maybe you go down to the local five and dime and get yourself uh, maybe a six pack of Coors Light, maybe a four pack of Zima and you're on your way and you just don't have to keep the change. I agree with you. If I could get a four pack of Zima, then I think I've made a good trade there. 
Exactly. I mean, if you say, you know, when you have a Zima, of course, it's if it keeps on giving, right? Because it's a refreshing malt beverage that leaves just a vicious uh, hangover the next day. Exactly. You're never going to forget you had a Zima, at least not for 72 hours. You can only hope to contain it. It's like a case of the COVID. Correct. That gets us to our next segment, Relationship Rehab with Brad, where you take a troubled relationship right? Be it troubled, be it problematic. Uh, and you try to mold it and sculpt it and bring it back to life, right? You're sort of like, I, I like to think of you in this, in this way, you're sort of like uh, one of those uh, restoration specialists. I'm talking about restoration hardware or a, uh, like a rehab thing. I'm talking about someone that goes in to like the Vatican or goes into um, uh, you know, one of the great museums, in Florence or or Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas and sees one of the great works of art and then gets up there and cleans it up, you know, maybe buffs it up, maybe adds a little goatee, you know, a leaf on the private parts, but someone who leaves something better than the way they found it. Does, Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. And I like to be someone who leaves things better than they found them, especially in the case of a work of art by you know, chumps like Da Vinci or Michelangelo or people like that. Yeah, again, and, and I'm missing all that, whatever they, you know, and you and I have seen some of the great works of art uh, and, and some of it, we just, we just can't get our um, mind around in terms of it being art. Now, again, great pieces like dogs playing poker. I think you and I, when we see yeah, that. Absolutely, a velvet, velvet Elvis. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, you know, some of the um, some of the Winston Churchill paintings are really good. Agreed. I think Bob Hope and Sinatra painted too at the end. But again, you know, don't want to you don't want to disparage Da Vinci or everyone gets down your throat. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Brad, this is where we hear from a a listener somewhere out there who writes in. Sometimes it's a telegram. Sometimes it's a phone call, uh, and they uh, have questions for us. And, um, and then we do our best, you, I, I have no responsibility here whatsoever, but you do your best to lead them back uh, towards the, uh, the rest of the herd and, and, and uh, uh, away. So here is the uh, question of the week. Again, relationship rehab here on IP Frequently with uh, David Pridham and Brad Sheaf. Dear Brad, my wife and I have been married for 30 years. Oh, what a run it's been. We've seen it all. We enjoy your program immensely, especially when Brad... Uh, gives out relationship advice. Uh, Thank you again, Brad, uh, for everything. We wonder if it makes any sense for us to go on, given the fact that there is an asteroid headed on a collision course with the planet Earth. Uh, I wonder if we shouldn't just end it all and say that 30 years was a good hot run. Please let me know. And this is from Norm in Atlantic City. Norm in Atlantic City, thank you uh, for your letter. A little bit bit on the... um, somber side brad uh but what do you uh, what do you think about that well listen this is this is fairly easy i mean if you've already spent 30 years together that's quite an investment i applaud that it's unusual in today's day and age to see commitment at that level and so i think it should take something you know more devastating than an asteroid to break up a 30-year marriage right i mean asteroids come and go and sometimes they hit and sometimes they miss When they hit, if you happen to be a dinosaur, that doesn't turn out as well as if you happen to be a mammal, uh, which worked out well for us, obviously. But like I said, Norm, you want to hang on to that. Plus, if it turns out 
that the asteroid is actually going to hit, you're going to want to hold someone's hand when it obliterates the planet, right? I mean, that's not a time when you want to be alone. There are plenty of times for that. I'm sure, Norm, that in the course of a 30-year marriage, you and your lovely spouse have learned to give each other me time when necessary. But when you see that asteroid hurtling its way through the atmosphere with absolute global destruction just moments away, you're going to want to just be able to reach out and grab that hand and say, sweetie, I'll see you on the other side. I, I, I like the fact that you're encouraging Norm to stick it out. I'm not exactly sure what he was going to do anyway. He's already in Atlantic City, so he's already in the best place on Earth. Um, but, uh, but, but it does beg the question, you start peeling, because we, we, we received this letter, right? And I, I'm wondering what he's talking about. I, and, and we know Norm. You and I both do. We're familiar with him. He's been a part of our program since the beginning, even the early days. But uh, someone like Norm is not a reactionary, okay? No, someone no, like Norm, there's not. something to this, okay? This isn't some crazy, you know, immigration is seasonal, uh, the January 6th attack was the worst attack since Pearl Harbor. It, it, nothing like that. So, so let, let's figure it out. So I did some digging. I got the crack team um, to you know, start uh, contacting people. There were some Freedom of Information Act requests. There were also some Google searches. And I found out about DART. DART, the Dallas Area Rapid Transit System. No, the double asteroid redirection test. And so this is something that comes out of NASA, right? So NASA this week said that it uh, has a mission underway as part of the DART double asteroid redirection test program. Is that like um, double secret probation or? I, I think different? it is. I think it's run by some of the people that, that you and I and some of our longtime listeners are familiar with the Venera Chronicles, where we chronicled the Soviet Union's missions to the planet Venus and their efforts to colonize the planet. Mostly unsuccessful, I would say. Um, but uh, what has happened here is apparently NASA is concerned about a potential devastating uh, asteroid um, impact with Earth. And so we are sending in November of this year um, a, uh, a, a spacecraft uh, that we are uh, anticipating will interact with this devastating asteroid in about a year, October 2nd, 2022. Ah. And uh, they're going to try to deflect it from the planet Earth. It could be, it could be problem, but it's going to try to just nudge the nudge the asteroid Ascosh to have it not hit Earth? Well, obviously, first of all, we wish him the very best of luck. If there's a chance this asteroid's going to hit Earth, it'll be more than just Norm and his spouse that suffer from that. And so, you know, we here on IP frequently, and I think I could speak for all of our listeners, would like for NASA to be successful with this. I guess my only question for you, buddy, is this, what you're trying to do here with this Falcon 9 rocket, is this, you know, sort of like, when the tight end just sort of chucks the defensive end on his way out to run a pattern, or is this like a straight up, you know, bump and run where the cornerback moves up and is going to try and get as many shots as he can in, in that first five yards. Well, I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter. I mean, I can't, can't help but hearkening back to the great, uh, probably the greatest movie of the 1990s Armageddon and just getting Bruce Willis onto the face 
of that uh, that uh, that big uh, the big asteroid um, was enough to save the planet. But in that one of the greatest movies of all time, with one of the greatest lines of all time, when as you'll recall, Bruce Willis sends his prospective son-in-law back up the little elevator there to get back in the spaceship, tells him all to leave. Played by a much younger Ben Affleck. Indeed. And then he turns to face the asteroid, kind of sighs and says, I knew coming up here was a bad idea. See, that's that's the way a man faces his problems right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but then, but then either way, he was going to die, right? So he was going to die on the asteroid. And, I, and for those of you who haven't uh, seen the big movie Armageddon, mute your radio now. Okay, perfect. Um, he knew he was going to die, Brad, either way, right? Because he was either going to die on the asteroid saving the Earth or he was going to die on the Earth when it was just pulverized by the asteroid. Okay, those of you who have completely muted your radio, turn it back on now, please. Okay, go ahead, Brad. Yeah, so there you have it. If you haven't seen Armageddon, what the hell are you doing, right? I mean, it's available. Rent it, stream it. You'll enjoy it. Great soundtrack as well. And uh, again, we wish uh, we wish NASA the very best of luck. Boys, get your left and your right organized in your heads right now before you launch the rocket. Because here's what nobody wants, right? We don't we, we do not want a video out of mission control one year from now where two guys are looking at each other and said, no, 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 it was my left, my left, right? That's that's not what we want. So sit down, whiteboard it, do whatever you got to do. We're happy to make IPedia available. Let's get the directionality all squared away before we leave the launch pad. And remember, you just need to bump. You just need to bump the, 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 the defensive end a little bit to get him off of his game. And then you go and you run the route and you catch the ball. You be the, you catch the ball again we're going to be monitoring this because this obviously could impact brad small i would assume you would agree that if a titanic asteroid collided with the planet earth that could impact most small businesses out there yeah most small businesses other than deep undersea mining operations which may feel a little bit of a a little nudge themselves as the entire body of water that is the pacific ocean shifts with the strike of the asteroid, those guys will will be disturbed, but perhaps not immediately put out of business. Everybody else is, as we say down in old Mexico City, effed. That would be quite the follow-up to the years of COVID. But anyway, Brad, we will move on to something a little more pleasant. As you know, Merrick Garland uh, is a great leader of the Justice Department. Uh, your hero, I believe, I believe you did write your senior thesis on the possibility of Merrick Garland, who at the time was a child, uh, becoming attorney general and, and uh, what the impact would be. But uh, this is all wrapped into our ultimate segment, Barter Band, which is one at this point, one bronze Stevie Award. Brad, are you excited for this? Of course. I'm always excited for this. Merrick Garland this week uh, wrote uh, a memo ordering the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which I believe you're familiar with, you're familiar with their work, I am. I am. Uh, to investigate the, um, I think what he said was the disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence 
emanating from folks protesting critical race theory to uh, folks protesting um, certain sexual um, publications being allowed in schools teaching certain lifestyles and, and all that. So the attorney general has called in the, uh, the G-men, Brad, and he has basically authorized them to investigate. He's called this a, uh, a form of terrorism. And uh, your boy, the uh, FBI director, Christopher Ray, has already jumped in and he said that these threats against school board members and uh, teachers will not stand. And they're treating this as if it were a threat to the fiber of our, of our country. What do, you, uh, what do you think about all this? Well, buddy, I, I mean, this is relatively easy from a band or barred perspective, right? Because if you're asking me, now maybe I misunderstood what you're saying, should we ban or bar? We should ban or bar any sort of violent attack on any person by any other person, right? I mean, I don't think there's anybody who would disagree with that, right? And, you know, just sort of your, you taking the law into your own hands and violently attacking someone else is is very, very rarely the way to go. Now, if you're asking me, whether or not we should ban or bar the FBI from investigating these things, that's a different question, right? Now, we've already discussed the entire government is just a joke at this point. That includes the leadership of the Department of Justice. That includes the leadership, much as it pains to say me, of the FBI. It does not include those folks at both of those organizations who are just trying to do their damn job and realize that this kind of thing is a distraction. Because you have to remember, there are a limited number of FBI agents. The FBI has limited resources like any other organization. And somehow we were fine and continue to be fine with the violent looting and destruction and burning of both personal and public property in various places all over this country. I don't, I don't hear Merrick Garland talking about any of that. And yet what we want to do is now put pressure on folks who I am willing to bet are largely law-abiding, right? I mean, there's a lot of parents in this country. Many of you are on their side. Many of you are opposed to them. But you, you, what you cannot take away from them is that they are well-intentioned parents who care about their children. And they have voices and they want to be heard. And what is happening here is the government is going to put pressure on those folks who, again, are generally speaking law-abiding, right? These are this is not a, a crowd of Antifa rioters. These are parents of school-aged children. And what's now happening is you're having the law enforcement arm of the federal government put pressure on these otherwise law-abiding folks who are now going to have to think twice about, hey, do I want to open my mouth here or not? And that is wrong. These are the you're right. These are the the, the terrorists that Merrick Garland is after. Um, people who don't want their kids to wear masks in school. They don't want to learn. They don't want their you know, nine-year-old learning about gender flexibility. Um, they don't want pronouns to be taught in the, in the elementary school. And th they want the right to go and, and petition the school boards whose you know, taxes pay for those school boards. And so basically the Attorney General of the United States has has initiated an investigation of these parent groups and these individual parents who are petitioning these school boards who are in some cases pretty upset because of the neglect that they show towards our towards our kids and towards our kids learning. I mean, a couple of days ago, I saw the, the, the man that wants to be the governor of Virginia again, 
was was in a debate and he said absolutely parents should have no say in what their kids are taught i mean just an astounding comment but again it gets back to the whole uh approach of this administration whether it be you know afghanistan we know better than you so we'll do it our way or whether it be energy will just screw up the entire supply chain by bottling up the only productive forms of energy that uh, that we have and we're self-sufficient on in this in this country or whether it be you know the budget that we want to pass on a straight party line vote and and even though we don't have the party um, uh, constituency to do it at this point um, all the way down to the library thing right where AOC doesn't want anyone to take personal responsibility for anything including library books that they steal and it's just the same thing over and over again whether it be uh, student loan debt being forgiven automatically or whether it be um, you know some of this 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 crazy tenant relief that prevents any type of evictions and in, in a sense prevents people from even collecting rent so uh, the, 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 the it seems like the era of personal responsibility my friend may be well behind us well you know what let's hope not I mean I like to believe that again as long as we remain a democracy, that these are self-solving problems. I mean, I think one of the things that people forget is you can pass any crazy law you want, but if the if the government changes hands, then that law is just as susceptible to being undone as any other law, right? And so again, one of the benefits of a democracy is that if we either purposefully or inadvertently vote in a bunch of wackos at the local, state, or federal level, we have the opportunity to fix that down the road, and we should obviously take it. And the school thing is definitely going to fix itself. When the government is at the point where it is coming right out and saying parents should have no voice in the education of their children within the public school systems, that's easy, right? Parents will take their kids out of the public school systems. And then all of these devastating things that have happened in the public school system over the last several decades, particularly within inner cities where they, they're under-resourced, understaffed, all those things, if you think that's bad now, Wait until every parent hears what the government is saying, i.e., you don't know how to raise your kids. We do. We're going to raise them the way we want them to be and says, all right, well, the hell with that. I'll just homeschool my kid. I'll create a homeschool co-op. We'll establish private schools. We'll send our kids there. When that happens, the only children left in the public schools will be those children whose parents either do not care or do not have the resources to get them out of the public schools, and that system is simply going to collapse. And at this point, maybe that's what's best. Somehow, we have a plethora of educational professionals who think they are smarter and better than any parent on the planet, and we're paying them out of the public coffers to implement policies that make that clear. And Maybe it's best if we just stop. Well, Brad, the good news is the good news is this is all sort of coming into focus, right? Uh, these educators will be sitting in half-filled schoolrooms. Most of them don't even teach, um, with you know critical race theory and gender flexibility being among the topics du jour. Uh, they'll be in the dark, right? Because we'll have no um, uh, no energy to speak of because we've shut all that down. They will have a trillion dollar trillion dollar platinum eagle but but uh they'll hear a rumbling overhead because lo and behold old norm's asteroid will be heading straight for them
And on that note, my friend, you have wrapped up this episode perfectly, beautifully. You've put a bow on it. And so that, as the kids like to say, is a mic drop here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.